Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman were two of the world's biggest movie stars when their marriage fell apart in 2001. So how much did the Church of Scientology have to do with it? Well, it really depends who you ask. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Zara McDonald, we are back. Michelle Andrews, we are. And what an eventful last episode did we have? We learned a lot last week. We covered a lot of material. What were the big takeaways for you? I mean, I think one of the biggest things I learned is that Tom and Nicole met very soon after he had divorced Mimi Rogers. Mm. I mean, that timeline is funky, I guess, is how I would put it. But that was a, a pretty quick move along. Yeah, blurred line. So they met before the divorce, but then once they started filming, the divorce had only gone through a couple of days before filming for their first movie together began. Not quite clear if there were blurred lines or if that's just us reading too much into it. We do know celebrities move incredibly fast in their love lives. We also learned that Tom Cruise has a thing for small, private, intimate weddings. Yeah, exactly. So Tom and Nicole had an incredibly private small wedding where basically no one knew about it. So did Tom and his ex-wife Mimi Rogers. We also learned that Tom very likely was introduced to Scientology through Mimi Rogers and that Scientology as a church was very committed and is still very committed to keeping celebrities as the face of the religion. So committed that it seems like potentially Mimi Rogers was turfed out or shown the door in favour of Tom Cruise. I mean, she was the OG Scientologist in that relationship and yet now refers to herself as a former member of the church, whereas Tom Cruise is like head honcho, head boy. Yeah, exactly. And I think at the point that we left off, Tom and Nicole had very much just fallen in love. We're one of the world's favourite golden couples and very much seem to adore each other. So shall we start there? Let's start there, guys. We are rewinding back to the happy years. Let's check in with Tom and Nicole. All right, Mitch. So... Almost overnight, I guess, Nicole Kidman went from up-and-coming actress, up-and-coming Hollywood actress, I should say, to the wife of Tom Cruise, the hottest star in Hollywood. Yeah, and by association and, of course, with truckloads of talent, Nicole also became the next big thing in Hollywood as well. She was, though facing a lot of criticism around the time that she became fully fledged in her relationship with Tom Cruise. Like, yes, things were going better than ever for both of them, but she was getting a lot of flack in the media. Most notably, she was labelled an ice queen because she had such a highly controlled public image and wasn't very forthcoming with emotion or with happiness in interviews. Yeah, this I actually do remember. I wonder if you remember this too, but When I was younger and I felt like I was exposed to a lot of gossip tabloid magazines and I'm trying to remember where I was even exposed to them, I guess at hairdressers or I guess that they were in far more places than perhaps they are now. All I remember is Nicole Kidman being referred to as cold or ice-like as someone who didn't smile and I think this also came back to the fact that she would play cold, calculating characters in her films. I mean, she played a murderous news reporter in To Die For and a White House nuclear expert in The Peacemaker. According to Vanity Fair, there was also this very public presumption that Nicole Kidman was being cast in these roles as favours for her husband. Yeah, that last rumour wasn't helped by the fact that Nicole again starred opposite her husband, Tom, in the 1992 film Far and Away. She actually addressed this rumour. She told Vanity Fair, I 
felt I didn't deserve to be there in my own right. And so throughout, I wasn't there as Nicole. I was there as Tom's wife. I think really good to keep in mind as well that she was only 23 when they got married. Like being referred to as an ice queen and cold and someone who didn't deserve any of the work that she was finding herself in would be incredibly hard that young because mm. you're still trying to work out who you are, let alone who you are on a public stage. Yeah, and being the wife of Tom Cruise really had a profound impact on her. She did open up about the pressure that she felt in the early years of their marriage, but she only did so after the marriage was actually over. In 2011, she told Marie Claire, I became very famous because I was the wife of somebody. I felt I became a star only by association. I didn't think my early movies were very good, which is why I would always cower in the background. I thought I don't deserve to be here. We would go to the Oscars and I would think I'm here to support him. I felt it was my job to put on a beautiful dress and to be seen and not heard. Really interesting that she had this moniker of the ice queen and she had this depiction of her in the media as this cold and calculating woman when the reality probably was she was terrified and she was kind of like a deer in headlights like any of us would be so young on such a public stage. And also deeply insecure Mm. which I think would impact a lot how you interact with the press. I mean interestingly even with all of the public scrutiny and newfound attention on her and her marriage Nicole has said in the past that their relationship only got stronger. So she explained to Vanity Fair in 2002, you're being watched and scrutinised and that slowly affects you. But it's also deeply romantic because it feels like there's only two of you and you're in it together as if you're in a cocoon and you become very dependent on each other. They were very sweet. Yeah, and but you can also imagine how that would breed a very intense relationship. Yeah, well, I feel like it would either go one of two ways, right? It either drives a wedge between you or you band together and you go, you know what, we have to be a fortified team here. We can't go about this any other way. They were madly in love. I mean, it surprised me reading profiles, watching interviews with them to hear that they were such adrenaline junkies. Like I did not (laughs) picture Nicole Kidman being the kind of person to spend her lunch breaks on sets, going skydiving or riding around on motorcycles. But according to reports, that was precisely what these two did together. Yeah, how interesting. I, I, I think there was a lot of chemistry clearly at the start. But going back to your point about whether it could drive a wedge or it could bring you together, the only other thing that we haven't thought of or really posited here is that it could also really remove you from the people in your life. Mm. Like if you've got this really intense relationship that is born from intense public media scrutiny you could absolutely say to everyone else in your life no one understands this and no one understands us and therefore it's us against not just the press but everyone we know And I don't know why I get the sense that perhaps that's what happened, but it did feel like a very intense relationship that eventually crashed and burned and where they were a bit removed from people generally. Yeah, it does. You're right. It does sound like they became each other's crutches, which can be healthy, but can also be kind of toxic as well if you go about it the wrong way. In that same interview in Vanity Fair, I think Nicole actually nodded her head towards this. She said, I was reeling with Tom and I loved it and I would have walked to the end of the earth. That meant giving up a lot of things that were very important to me. It's like that sacrificing yourself for the benefit of the relationship. But how long can anyone actually do that? Yeah, exactly. And both Tom and Nicole wanted children together. But as we know now with hindsight, the journey to becoming parents wasn't easy at all. Nicole actually revealed to Vanity Fair in 2007 that she had had a miscarriage towards the start of her relationship with Tom. 
And she described the entire experience as really very traumatic. Yeah, so their difficulty to fall pregnant or their experience with pregnancy loss meant that shortly afterwards, in 1995, when Nicole was 25, she and her husband, Tom, adopted their first child, Bella. And then, of course, two years later, they adopted their son, Connor. Yeah, and I think it was around this time that Nicole felt that balance of trying to be a parent and trying to commit to herself creatively was really hard. Mm. She also told Vanity Fair... I realised I could be fulfilled creatively and that I had given that up. I think this happens to women who re-enter the workforce. They go, hold on, there's a world out there and I wouldn't mind being a part of it. I tried to deny it because it would have been so much easier for me to be satiated by being a wife. I wish it could have been part of my trajectory, but it wasn't. Yeah, she did try to hold herself to doing one project or one movie every year so that she could try and balance home life with her burgeoning acting career. One such project was Stanley Kubrick's famous 1999 film Eyes Wide Shut. I remember my parents loving this film. I remember I was never allowed to be in the room when it was on but like mum and dad would have date nights and they would watch this in the lounge room and all the kids had to occupy themselves for the evening. So it was like a psychological thriller right? Yes. Like had some sexy stuff through it. Yeah it was like grappling with sexual temptation with elements of psychological thrillerness throughout it. I actually (laughs) watched it. Maybe I should watch it. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't think it sounds too bad. I mean, in the movie there were, as we say, explicit sex scenes, a lot of nudity, and she and Tom actually moved their entire family to England to shoot the film. They thought it was going to take three months and ended up living there for a year and a half. Well, it probably paid off, right? Like, it's quite an iconic film now. Looking back on the time filming Eyes Wide Shut, Nicole spoke to the New York Times last year, actually, so 20 years after the marriage ended, and said that they were really happily married throughout that time. She said we would go go go-kart racing after the scenes. We'd rent out a place and go racing at three in the morning. I don't know what else to say. Maybe I don't have the ability to look back and dissect it, or I'm not willing to. That is a fascinating quote for me. Mm -hmm. And I think when you hear that quote, the first thing you're going to think is, okay, well, what in the world is she referring to? And I think according to various reports, Nicole had a pretty complicated relationship with Scientology. And I wonder if that's what she was hinting to. Yeah, a very turbulent decade, I would say, in Nicole Kimmon's life. I mean, they got off on a weird foot, Nicole and the Church of Scientology. I imagine there would have been a bit of a question mark above her head. It was widely reported that Nicole Kidman's father was a well-renowned psychologist back in Australia. We know from episode one that the Church of Scientology has some interesting ideas, some interesting approaches to modern medicine. We know that they don't like cancer treatment. They don't like Western medicine. They certainly don't like psychology. Apparently that came back to the fact that the church's founder, L. Ron Hubbard, had mental illnesses of his own and was actually denied psychiatric help or had bad experiences with psychiatric assistance when he was a Navy veteran. Yeah, exactly. So you can imagine when Nicole Kidman comes on the scene with a very prominent psychologist father, they think straight away, is this person going to be a problem Mm. for us? But despite all of this initially, Nicole was originally pretty open-minded and willing to give the church a go and was also pretty well received by the church. I mean, according to one of the biggest reporters on Scientology, Tony Ortega from the Daily Beast, Church officials responsible for auditing Nicole said she was doing Scientology basically full-time for two years, which is a long time. Yeah, so she was really trying to commit herself 
Well, it wasn't until 1991 when Time magazine published a searing expose on Scientology, which concluded that the church was, and I quote, a hugely profitable global racket that survives by intimidating members and critics in a mafia-like manner that Nicole decided to distance herself. So by 1992, it was widely reported that Nicole had taken a step back, she was no longer being audited, and she had become a bit fed up with the church's head, David Miscarvage. Yeah, I think she wasn't impressed both with that story and perhaps what she'd seen of David Miscarvage. And you can imagine in a marriage, if Nicole Kidman was a bit sceptical on the Church of Scientology, that has to have an impact on the marriage and also Tom's relationship with Scientology. Scientology. I mean, things apparently really soured between Tom and Miss Carvage or Tom and the church. It feels pretty unclear when he did start to distance himself from Scientology between 1992 and 2001. I mean, anyone in a relationship as well has an experience of finding a partner's friend that we don't exactly <laughs> warm to. It sounds like that was David Miscarvage for Nicole. It's a bit like that. So between 1992 and 2001, Tom definitely didn't quit the church. He was definitely still part of the church. The church were just a bit disappointed that he was wasn't the member that they wanted him to be. And we mm. know what member they wanted him to be. They wanted him to be the public face of Scientology, the world's number one proponent for Scientology. They wanted a Scientology cheerleader. And Tom had other priorities during this time. He wasn't what they wanted him to be, particularly when he and Nicole Kidman moved away from the US to England for almost two years to actually film Eyes Wide Shut. Now, if you do listen to the church detractors and with most of these things, that the church denies this, David Miscarvage was not a fan of the distance that Tom Cruise put between himself and the church during these years. You can imagine too when in 1999 Nicole didn't actually publicly call herself a Scientologist, what that would have done to the church. Mm. I mean, according to a piece written by journalist Dan McAloon, she described herself as a mishmash of religions, a little Buddhism, a little Scientology, and finally conceding, I was raised Catholic and a big part of me is still a Catholic girl. I wonder if that was one of the final nails in the coffin for Nicole and the Church of Scientology, because it definitely feels like they saw huge potential in her. They thought they'd be able to get her in their grips and make her another cheerleader for the church. But I mean, 1999, by this point, she's been around for almost a decade. Not quite, but almost. She's not a Scientologist. She hasn't distanced herself from her psychologist father like we imagine the church would want of her. She probably wasn't the ideal person that Scientology would have seen their head boy with. Yeah. So what do they allegedly do about that? In an interview with Vanity Fair, former church official Marty Rathbun, who has become one of the biggest whistleblowers, I would Mm. say, for Scientology. He said that staff of both Nicole and Tom were essentially spying on them while they were living together. Their staff were devout Scientologists. And this is a quote from Rathbun. The staff was reporting every single detail going on in the house during the entire marriage with Nicole, how they were getting along, their disputes, what he was doing movie-wise and his relations in Hollywood. The church does deny that though. Yeah, it is backed up by one of the most prominent documentaries on Scientology as well. It's a 2015 film called Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief. And in that film, several former prominent members of the church 
discuss this kind of network that was banded together to try and slowly spy on Nicole Kipman and slowly seep into the relationship that there were problems, that Tom might want to distance himself from her, that he should not be with her anymore. Yeah, exactly. This is a whole network of people reportedly keeping the church in the loop and a whole network of people that allegedly were trying to split them up. I mean, a pattern might be emerging here, Zara, but again, the Church of Scientology denies this. We don't know what the truth is. We only know that there are two very different sides of this story. That's right, Mish, and we're going to hear all about it after the break. All right, Zara, before the break, we did discuss the allegations that certain members of the church were perhaps allegedly trying to break up Tom and Nicole. Now, reportedly, Nicole had been identified as what the church was calling a potential trouble source. So they had a task of trying to inform Tom Cruise that he needed to get out of the marriage, but they had to do it slowly and they had to do it pretty carefully. Exactly. So from 1998 to 2000, former church official Marty Rathbun, who we mentioned before, says he did a lot of long auditing sessions with Tom. And this is in the period where they were trying to lure Tom back. Mm. Like they really wanted him back into the fold. And so Marty says that he would write detailed reports on what Tom had told him and send them directly to Miss Garbage. And Rathbun says all these reports contained really personal information, as we've touched on before with auditing. This is where people are really meant to bear their soul. And according to Rathbun, and it should be noted that Scientology actively denies this, Miss Garbage would allegedly sit there with other senior Scientology officials reading out parts of the auditing sessions and commenting on Tom's sex life. Yeah, and if you do watch and if you do believe the Going Clear documentary, allegedly there were plans to tap Nicole Kidman's phones. And it's unclear who gave that direction. It's unclear who wanted that, whether that was Tom or David Miscarvage. But we do know that several church officials have come out since and said that in their opinion, to the best of their belief, phones were tapped and Nicole Kidman's conversations were listened to. Marty Rathbun says that he arranged through a Scientology lawyer to get a private investigator on the case to wiretap the phone at the couple's mansion and all of the tapes were then also forwarded to Miss Garbage. <sighs> it also should be noted the church and Tom's lawyers have denied all of this on multiple occasions, so it is just an allegation. Just an allegation. Whatever the details of this alleged spy network were, we do know one fact for sure, Zara. Yes. There's no tit for tat with this fact. We know it for sure. Nicole and Tom's marriage fell apart. Yeah. So on February 6, 2001, a press release sent out by Tom Cruise's publicist stated that the couple had regretfully decided to separate, citing, and I quote, the difficulties inherent in divergent careers which were constantly keeping them apart. Why would we buy that when we know that they just starred in a film together and were just filming for the literally, I'm pretty sure it won the world record for the longest filming time of any film. They spent like two years on set together. They don't have divergent careers constantly (laughs) keeping them apart. They have careers keeping them together. Well, that's the thing. They starred in quite a few movies together over the course of their marriage, more than any other couple I can probably think of. Two days after the statement was issued, Cruz filed official divorce papers citing irreconcilable differences. Like, Mm. 
every American couple I think I've ever heard file for divorce. (laughs) He also asked for joint custody of their two children, Isabella and Connor. Isabella was eight at the time and Connor was six. Yeah, we do need to talk about the dates going on here because according to Entertainment Weekly, Cruz said the couple's separation date was the 21st of December 2000. Now, I know this is getting technical, but stay with me here. The 21st of December, that would fall just shy, days shy of their 10th wedding anniversary. Why is that important, Zara McDonald? I don't know, because it's brutal. (laughs) Is that why? Is that what you're asking of me? Well, what's important is that the legalities of what you owe each other after 10 years of marriage in the United States is very different to what you owe each other before the 10 years. Now, according to an interesting report from Entertainment Weekly around this time, Tom's legal team tried to argue that he filed for divorce before their 10-year anniversary, while, according to the article, Nicole Kidman's legal team argued that he filed after their 10-year anniversary. How interesting is that? I mean, the night before their divorce was finalised in August 2001 – they actually had to attend the premiere for the movie that Tom had produced and Nicole had starred in called The Others. I mean, fuck, having to go to events with your ex. Also another example of the careers constantly keeping them apart. So another true. film where they're walking the same fucking red carpet. Eerily, The Others, this film that Kidman played a mother in and that Tom produced depicts a mum who is trying to protect her children from eerie, spooky forces within their house. I mean, I don't want to read oh, into things. come on. I just feel like that is an eerie overlap in this story, perhaps. Let's move it along. According to CNN at the time, and this is a quote, Although they were in the same place for the same cause, the stars did not cross paths, speak or so much as look at each other as a horde of media watched their every move. Each arrived separately with different sets of friends and each walked past rows of television cameras. I mean, as I said before, no one wants to be willingly in the same room as an ex while other people no. are around, I don't think, let alone when there are so many cameras trying to catch whether they look at each other, whether they speak. Yeah. Like, oh. It's also a really tender time. I mean, this is a day before you're officially divorced. Emotions are running high and the timing is really icky and yuck. Nicole Kimmon did speak to reporters but was pretty tight-lipped. She said of Tom, I'm glad he is here to support the film. Tom Cruise was a little more forthcoming. He told CNN that he'd actually bought the film rights for this film just for Nicole Kimmon to play the lead. He said, I just thought it was perfect for her and she's great in it. I mean, I don't want to read too much into this, That feels a bit patronising, doesn't it? Like I plucked this film out because I thought she'd be perfect in it so therefore I put her straight in it and I'm saying this now six months after we've split. Like give me a break. What a great gift I've given my ex-wife. Yes, it's like give her the credit that she deserves rather than kind of pump yourself up in the process. He added that all the extra attention paid to the premiere didn't bother him at all. He said... I think it's nice. It's great for the movie. We're here to celebrate a picture that we all worked very hard on. I mean, he's not wrong there. It's just awkward. It's uncomfortable. Like, I'm not sure if I would go up to a journalist and say, I think it's nice that all of this extra publicity is watching my wife and myself with, like, this hawk-eyed vision. Yeah, it's probably the kind of thing you'd say behind closed doors to the PR team being like, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world. But to say it publicly is pretty funny. I mean, a couple of months after the divorce, Nicole spoke publicly about her experience with it on Good Morning America. She said, 
I'm a person that carries everything that happened to me in my past with me into the future. I refuse to let it make me bitter. I still completely believe in love and I remain open to anything that will happen to me. Such an ice queen comment. No, I'm kidding. How is this an ice queen? She's not an ice queen at all. She's the best. She was more contemplative and also honest in a Vanity Fair interview in 2002, the interview that we keep referencing because man oh man, it was a goldmine for quotes from Nicole. She said, I was willing to give up everything. I now see that as a part of me. I'm willing to do that. I do that when I'm in a movie too. I'm willing to go, yeah, bring it on, consume me, intoxicate me. I want to feel alive. I want to reel, basically. I was reeling with Tom and I loved it and I would have walked to the end of the earth. That meant giving up a lot of things that were very important to me. I find it very interesting, these kinds of quotes, like I want to feel alive, I want to reel. I feel like a lot of actors say similar things. Like I feel Mm. like it's this real creative pursuit to want to be enveloped by something and be completely consumed by it. And it feels very much like Nicole Kidman wanted to do this both with her personal relationships and with her work. In that same interview, Nicole was really public about not wanting the divorce and being pretty blindsided when Tom actually filed for one. She said, What I see now is a nine-year-old little girl who the divorce affected and I see a seven-year-old boy and I see my duty as a mother. It means for the rest of my life I have to do things to protect and help them and make it up to them. That sounds so old-fashioned and strange. I don't know why that's in me, but it is. She's very traditional for someone living in a very non-traditional setting. Feels very Catholic, not very Scientologist at all. Feels very much like our mothers. I know, it feels super Catholic. She also touched on their different, and when I say their, I mean Tom and Nicole's different approaches to managing conflict or being in the public eye. How is this quote? This is one of my favourite of hers. You do not tell Tom what to do. That's it simple and he's a force to be reckoned with I have a different approach Mm, the writer of that Vanity Fair piece did recount a story that Nicole gave post breakup where she did explain to the journalist that she was so upset she was lying on the ground in the fetal position while her parents who had arrived to kind of help her get on with her day literally had to almost shake her to snap to she was that distressed she was that out of her own body with grief for the relationship god that's a tough image to consider isn't it Mm. it's a very human one though fetal position as well like just sobbing uncontrollably on the floor it's incredibly sad yeah exactly I mean and even though the divorce came as a shock to Nicole and she was devastated it did bring us one of the most iconic celebrity photographs in recent memory of Nicole bounding out of her attorney's office after signing those divorce papers she was wearing this pink floral top lime green pants and sneakers and she was like waving her hands in the air reportedly she was (laughs) shouting I'm free, which I feel like might be the 20% mayo. I feel like that's a little bit of embellishment. It's enough. Even if she's just like staring up at the sun, thrusting her divorce papers in the air, that's enough to make this image what it is. I tell you guys what, we always put up a gallery of the best throwback images from each scandal story. This will be the first image we post. This is my favourite celebrity image maybe ever. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. And you might be sitting there thinking, okay, but she was devastated by this divorce. She was devastated by the split. How are we suddenly getting to a point where she's ecstatic when it's all over? 
And I think it probably speaks a lot to maybe how difficult the divorce might have been, like extracting those assets. Also, how stressful the years prior to the divorce would have been with this many people trying to split them up. Mm. It would have felt incredibly suffocating, I imagine. If the stories about Scientology's impact on their relationship are true, it would have felt incredibly suffocating on both you, your relationship and your family. She allegedly lived with rats in her life for years. She allegedly lived with rats in her home, in her professional life, all around her. If these allegations are true, she probably walked out of that attorney office, thrusted that paper and thought, I don't have to deal with this anymore. The unfortunate reality is that her battle against Scientology was potentially only really just beginning. Yeah, and I think for me this is one of the sadder aspects of this story because Nicole Kidman's relationship with her children has been pretty well documented over the past 20 years, but no one's quite got to the bottom of what her relationship with her children is. All we know at the moment is that her children are Scientologists and she is not, and that is not something that the church supports. Yeah, certainly by 2010, so what, we're talking almost a decade again after the divorce, Nicole publicly admitted for the first time that her adopted children had distanced themselves from her. She spoke to the Denver Post and said, my kids live with Tom, which was their choice. I'd love the them to live with us, but what can you do? This did line up with reports that Isabella and Connor, both mid to late teenagers at this point, had decided to live with Cruz and his new wife, Katie Holmes, in 2007. Katie actually told reporters that both teenagers referred to her as mum. I don't know why she told reporters that. Imagine it's, actually being their mum and dating that. That's, yeah. That fucking sucks. By the year 2012, newspapers were reporting that Tom Cruise and the church had brainwashed the children against their mother. Again, we need a remind everyone these are reports they are unconfirmed at this time in 2013 Nicole did address the speculation in a really classy interview that she did with the Hollywood reporter where she said I've chosen not to speak publicly about Scientology I have two children who are Scientologists Connor and Isabella and I utterly respect their beliefs so reportedly this is all because the church focused on pitting Nicole and Tom's kids against their mother so that Tom could get full custody I mean, Marty Rathbun, the church official who we keep coming back to. Mr. Rathbun. Mr. Rathbun, who keeps talking publicly about, you know, the experience of Scientology, does claim that another Scientology official was tasked with indoctrinating Bella and Connor. He told The Hollywood Reporter the church official told them over and over and over again that their mother was a sociopath and after a while they believed him. They were made to believe that their mother was a, quote, suppressive person. The church and Tom deny this. When it comes to the term suppressive person, that is about the worst thing a Scientologist can call Mm, someone, right? It's more than former member of the church, it means that person is dangerous and that person can't be trusted. Potentially harbouring evil and trying to seep evil into you just by being in your orbit. Suppressive people are those that you aren't able to have any contact with or you are supposed to limit all contact with for sure. Vanity Fair has reported that Bella as an eight-year-old and Connor as a six-year-old were given a course in identifying suppressive people. The church does deny this, but if that's true that an eight-year-old and a six-year-old were given courses in this, that absolutely constitutes brainwashing against their mother. Yeah, exactly. 
Also, former Scientologist and actress Leah Romini has backed this up too. She said that once she was with Nicole's daughter Bella and asked about her mum, only to hear Bella say that Nicole was a fucking SP, fucking suppressive person, the church does also deny this too. Mm, We don't know much, but we do certainly know that Bella got married in September 2015. It was a Scientologist ceremony at the Dorchester Hotel in London. Nicole is believed to have not received an invite. She certainly wasn't at the wedding. So I think we can kind of connect the dots there and think, well, if your mum's not at your wedding, it's probably because she wasn't asked to be. Yeah. Nicole has refrained from talking much about Bella and Connor and their relationship until recent years, but even still, she doesn't say much at all. In 2018, she told Who magazine that her children are able to make their own decisions. They have made choices to be Scientologists. And as a mother, it's my job to love them. That's what I believe, that no matter what your child does, the child has love and that child has to know that there is available love and I'm open here. I think that's so important because if that is taken away from a child to sever that in any child, in any relationship, in any family, I believe it's wrong. So that's our job as a parent to always offer unconditional love. Can we talk a little bit about how fucking strong Nicole Kidman Mm. is? Like this is absolutely mind-blowing that if the allegations are all accurate and they are true – and she was distanced from her children at such a young age. That is like an unimaginable level of grief and pain for anyone to go through. And it sounds a bit like a horror movie. It's, it's horrific. And the other thing about this is for many, many years, rumours and the tone of the media, the tabloid media, was very much about why doesn't Nicole have a relationship with her kids as if it was her fault? Mm. I feel like there has been a lot of speculation about what kind of mother she is if she doesn't have a relationship with her children, with very few people thinking or imagining that it might not be her choice at all. I mean, the other thing to be able to put these quotes on the record are incredibly beautiful. She sounds like a very good parent, to be totally honest with you, and I don't know her and I don't know the family and I don't know anything else. But at face value, they sound like very beautiful quotes and I, I, I can't help but wonder if it's not a small call to arms, that if they ever read those quotes and do want to leave the church or do want to have a relationship, she is there and perhaps this is the only way she's able to reach them. I don't know if that's a stretch. As I said, I'm completely making it up in my mind, but that's kind of how it feels. No, I agree. And it's almost like, what else can you do? Yes, she's a movie star. Yes, she has power. But when you are going up against the tentacles of Scientology, knowing how wealthy they are, which we covered in episode one, knowing the networks that they can kind of deploy. Nicole Kimmon doesn't have much power against Scientology. She doesn't have much power compared to Tom Cruise. Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of where we leave Tom and Nicole for the moment, mm. right? We know that she doesn't have a relationship with Tom. She doesn't really have much of a relationship with her kids. She did eventually marry Keith Urban and I love them together. <laughs> They're the best. And they they have two children together. And they have two little girls together as well who probably aren't that little at all anymore. And so then Tom Cruise is a single dad of two kids, twice divorced, and he thinks to himself, I need to find some love. I need to get married a third time. Yeah, and soon after he split from Nicole Kidman, he started dating Penelope Cruise for three years, which was a bit confusing because it was Cruise dating Cruise. Yes. So, I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, if they got I, married, she'd be like, well, I'm not changing my name. Well, even when I was preparing these notes, I was like, do we call her? We must have to call her Penelope or else it's going to get quite confusing. So he yes. dated Penelope Cruz for three years before that relationship broke down in 2004. And a lot of people argue, and many reports argue, that something similar happened in the breakdown of the relationship with Cruz and Cruz, <laughs> as it did with Kim and Cruz, in that 
Penelope wasn't sold by the church or David Miscarvage. So by 2004, Tom Cruise was a point in his life where he's like, I need a partner, but I need a partner who will wholly commit to the Church of Scientology. Yeah, he needed to find his next Scientology angel. Initially, apparently, according to Vanity Fair and a piece written by Maureen Orth in 2012, he did try to entice Sophia Vergara and Scarlett Johansson, who reportedly didn't want a bar of him. (laughs) Super bizarre. So when that didn't work, when he reportedly couldn't entice big female celebrities to be his partner and to be part of the church, he actually allegedly turned to the church. And so begins one of the most bizarre (laughs) stories of this entire series. I can't believe we're launching into this at the end of the episode. (sighs) I know. He's quite the story. Now, before we actually launch into the story itself. Another disclaimer. It should be noted the Church of Scientology does deny every single detail. So they do deny that they ever tried to set anyone up with Tom and they do deny the details of the Vanity Fair story. So we've got a report versus a denial and that should be on the record. So as you said, Mitch, that 2012 piece by Maureen Orth in Vanity Fair didn't just touch on the fact that Tom Cruise went to high profile actresses to try to sell them to the church. He went to the church and the church decided to, you know, do Scientology's form of The Bachelor. (laughs) They wanted to find someone who was really committed to the religion and who would also date Tom Cruise. Yeah, how's this passage from the Vanity Fair story? Thus begun an elaborate auditioning process, the sources say, to find him a drop-dead, beautiful, true believer to share his life, someone who would not object to having the mercurial Miss Garbage as a powerful presence in the relationship. Miss Garbage's wife, Shelley, was put in charge of the top-secret project, they tell me, and the ruse was to call in actresses from the organisation's roles, tell them they were being given the honour of auditioning for a new training film and then, according to the sources, reportedly asked questions such as, what do you think of Tom Cruise? So none of these women knew what the hell was going on. They thought that they were auditioning for a film and eventually, after a really hectic audition process, the church settled on a 25-year-old by the name of Nazanin Boniardi. Now, Nazanin Boniardi is actually a pretty successful actress now in her own right. She's also a human rights activist for Amnesty International. If you Googled her, you'd probably recognise her face. But at this point in her life when she was 25, she was an aspiring actress whose mother was a Scientologist too. Pretty ideal if you're Tom Cruise, finding a beautiful 25-year-old whose mum is already in the church. Notably, her father wasn't. Her parents were split at this stage and her dad was not a Scientologist, but her mother was and had been for some time. According to this Vanity Fair report, in October 2004, so some 10 months after Tom Cruise had split with Penelope Cruz, Nazanin was summoned to meet high-ranking church official Greg Willaire at the Celebrity Centre in Hollywood. Exactly. So it was there that she was reportedly summoned, that she was told that she had been selected for this top-secret mission that would entail meeting dignitaries around the world. So the church told her that if she succeeded in this mission, she would be making the world a better place. So for the next month, they began to prepare Nazanin for this mission. It included getting audited every single day and telling church officials her innermost secrets, including every detail of her sex life. The sources also speaking to Vanity Fair say that the church made her get rid of her braces, (laughs) dye her hair, dump her boyfriend. And in order to get her to dump her boyfriend, because it's not, you can't just 
force someone to dump their boyfriend. <laughs> they allegedly showed her confidential material from his auditing files so she'd be persuaded to leave him. That is a wild allegation if I've ever heard one. Yeah, I know, right? She also reportedly had to write, and this is just according to the Vanity Fair article, a 20-page essay about what she wanted from her life and allegedly signed more than one super strict confidentiality agreement that said if she didn't fulfil this mission, that if she marked it up, she would be booted from the church. Now, just a reminder, she had no idea what this mission was. None at all. Finally, once she'd been prepared enough for this secret mission, she was reportedly flown to New York to meet Cruz. Again, a quote from the Vanity Fair piece, for the first three weeks, she was isolated and not permitted to communicate with anyone. Despite the fact that her parents were deeply worried, she was allowed to tell them only that she was in New York on a special Scientology project, never that she was with Tom Cruise. Apparently this worked. She eventually met Tom Cruise and they actually dated for two months. Yeah, and reportedly Tom was incredibly intense about the relationship when they met. I mean, he really wanted it to work. And reading this story and I think making the assumption that it's true for a second, which we don't know, you know, it's still all allegations, still all unnamed sources, Nazanin was basically a bit of a prisoner and a bit of a puppet. For example, if Tom Cruise had an issue with anything she did or said, she would have to report to high-ranking church officials and would then be audited. She also reportedly spent two to three hours of her day every day purging herself of negative thoughts about Tom. I would love to know who spoke to Vanity Fair for this story. In this piece, it was reported that Nazanin and Tom dated from around late October, early November until January, and then everything fell apart. Yeah, and it fell apart because in late November, they went on a skiing trip in Colorado with some friends. And two of those friends happened to be David and Shelley Miscavige. Now, apparently, so says this Vanity Fair piece, David Miscavige speaks very quickly and Nazanin had to ask a couple of times, excuse me, or... I didn't catch that. Yeah, just a classic, sorry, what was that? What did you say? No, I think she was much more polite than that. Now, this is apparently a terrible thing to do to a Scientologist because Scientologists pride themselves on their communication. So Miss Garbage was super, super offended and Tom Cruise was furious at her for offending David Miscavige. Well, apparently if you're on the road to clear, which David Miscavige as the head of Scientology is supposed to be, you're supposed to be like the world's best communicator. So if you're speaking too quickly or if you're not enunciating enough, that is like a dagger in your heart as a Scientologist. That is not something you're supposed to be weak at. Yes. And so their relationship was reportedly never the same after that. Weeks later, they had split. And apparently, according to this piece, Cruz never actually broke up with her. She was told to move out of the house by the church and she was moved into Scientology's flag building in Florida. She didn't have much of her own. According to Vanity Fair during the relationship, her only source of money was a credit card issued in the name of Cruz's production company. Mm, Super weird. I think the most troubling aspect of this entire story, though, comes a little later. So reportedly, when Nazanin was staying at the Flag Centre, she did bump into Tom Cruise and she broke down later to a friend about it all. So was in fits of tears and completely upset about this. Now, reportedly, that friend that Nazanin confided in promptly wrote up a 10-page knowledge report on Nazanin and for more than two months Nazanin's punishment was to scrub toilets with a toothbrush on her hands and knees, clean bathroom tiles with acid and dig ditches in the middle of the night. Unsurprisingly, I mean, those are some of the most acidic allegations we've told in this episode, Zara. 
The church denies this categorically. They really deny every single one of those claims and we need to put that on record as well. Yeah, this is a quote from the Vanity Fair piece. She was also harangued for hours and made to confess what a horrible human being she was. After that, she was sent out to hawk L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics books on street corners, a job she continued to do when she was finally allowed to return to L.A. The church has denied this entire story. Mm. But... Other high-profile former church officials say this is exactly what happened. I mean, one high-profile former Scientologist called Mark Headley said to Maureen Orth for Vanity Fair, Tom never broke up with her, he never spoke to her, she gets kicked to the curb, and a few months later, he's madly in love with Katie and jumping on couches. Madly in love with Katie Holmes, and that, Zara, is precisely what we are going to dive into in episode three. How did Katie Holmes come on the scene What was the love story between Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise and how the hell did it all fall apart? Yeah, that all and more on the next episode of Scandal. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it so much as always. If you want to see some iconic photos from this time, jump on Instagram. We are at Shameless Podcast. They will be up in our feed. Big thanks to our researcher, Justine Landis-Hanley, for her work on this episode. Mish, anything else? Any other last little shout-outs for the day? I just can't wait till episode three. I feel like there's still so much to discuss. Yeah, it's going to be a crack out. Guys, we'll be back in your ears on Thursday for a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye. Bye. Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real-life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.